You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swung on lines the deep left field. It is gone. It went deep right. Batista's going to wave goodbye. Start the fireworks show. This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 169. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, Talk about Shane Bieber, going to start on opening day again for the second year in a row. We'll have over-unders for Emmanuel Classe, Harold Ramirez, and Amand Rosario. Last couple that we're wrapping up that series with. And we'll talk about Amand Rosario potentially moving to the outfield, what that means for the roster, and specifically what that could mean for shortstop with Andres Menes really impressing his coaches down in spring training. We'll see if maybe he could just come up with the team right away, or we'll talk about that. And we had a polled question about which fringe pitcher is going to have the most innings this year for Cleveland. Uh, Logan Allen, Cal Quantrill. Or a couple of Tristan McKenzie, Adam Plutko. We'll talk about that and what the results said from that. Joining me for all that and more is another Mr. Merritt Rolfing. Merritt, how you doing? You know I've just been thinking about kettle corn the entire time you've been talking. <laughs> I'm aware. We're going to get a good kettle corn around here. Well, that's not even had kettle corn. I mean, you just got to make your own. It's not the same, Merritt, unless you pay $6,000 to make your Listen, own kettle corn. I want some mis- mysteriously named, uh, visaged man to give it to me with a weird t-shirt that's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, What's the that's wearing a Super Bowl losers T-shirt and a hat from some brand of agribusiness that went out of business in 1976? That's where I want to get my kettle corn from. <laughs> he just pulls it out the back of his van. Yeah, here you go. Hell yeah, this is a good <laughs> shit. <laughs> Throw it over here. <laughs> how, how you doing other than kettle corn related, Merritt? How's your uh, enjoying the spring training and the fun of uh, watching oh, games? Yeah, dude, you know how much I love watching not watching baseball. The one cool thing was Byron Buxton murdered a ball, and then. My favorite thing was they were interviewing Dusty Baker in the dugout, which is always kind of annoying in the regular season, but in spring training, like who cares? But like immediately when a ball was hit straight up in the air, he knew his outfielder took a bad route. <laughs> like it was, it was just kind of cool, like seeing a manager who, like seeing the manageriness of knowing baseball so well and knowing yeah. that his outfielder screwed that up immediately. But and then he did, he fell over trying to get back to the ball, and Dusty Baker called it. So yeah, it's fun when just realizing how little you actually know about this game. <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, th- you think you know so much on the outside and they talk to the managers. Because it's never the actual interviews that are good. It's like when there's when it's just the managers talking to like their players or just right. discussing the game, it's always good. Like they interviewed, um, I'm going to get it mixed up, the Cora that coaches, that manages the Pirates. Is that Joey? That's Joey, yeah, Alex Cora. Yeah, because Alex is the one that got kicked out of baseball for a year. Yeah, and now he's back. Yeah. He totally got kicked out, man. He's never come back. Banned forever for a year. <laughs> well, yeah, he would always, like, he, he didn't stop managing while they were interviewing, even in spring training, and that was cool. That He was just, like, yelling to his players and, and coordinating stuff, and that was neat. Well, when we do get to games that matter, Merritt, we're going to have uh, Shane Bieber opening day. This will be a second in a row. He'll start against the Tigers on April 1st, 1 o'clock game. Last year, if you remember, he had a, a pretty good start to the season. Struck out 14 batters in um, in his first game against the Royals. Struck out another, what was it? He struck out several more in the next one. It was a record over two games. Yeah, didn't he have like 35 strikeouts in three games or something like that? It was something remember. ridiculous, yeah. yeah the first one. Yeah. number, yeah. Yeah, just the first one alone was a franchise record because he beat Gary Bell's 12 um, for the Tigers. When he starts tomorrow, he's on his way to... Unless something goes terrible, I'd assume he's going to at least tie Corey Kluber's five consecutive starts that he had. Bob Feller has the most with seven. Do you know who is tied with Corey Kluber for the most consecutive starts, Mayor? Is it Sam McDowell? <laughs> Damn, I was going to say that as a joke if he said something else, but no, it's not <laughs> Sam McDowell. Damn. <laughs> Stan Kowaleski. Five. Oh, right. Yeah, he was also good. Yeah, Sam McDowell has three because <laughs> I looked just to check, but he, he almost popped up here, but not quite. Um, and, and one other thing I found while writing about just the 
about the fact that Shane Bieber starting opening day. Corey Kluber didn't win a single opening day start. Yeah, he had always four losses and a no decision. Yeah, they're always no, he bad. was good. The team was terrible. Oh, like, right. That was a, that was the sad part. Okay. Yeah, he would, they, every game was like 0-2 or 1-2 or the one that they won, they won like 9-5. But the rest of the games, Corey Kluber was brilliant every single time, and his team just was garbage. <laughs> the offense was terrible. Because if you remember, like, what was it, 2019, they started with Eric Stamets and Eric oh, Gonzalez. God damn, and, I forgot about that trash. Oh, yeah, Lord. This is not a historically out-of-the-gate team, and Corey Kluber was just the brunt of that. So it was kind of cool to see Shane Bieber win one last year, and maybe he can do it this year again. But, um, but yeah, this isn't a surprise, I don't think. Shane Bieber is going to be starting for Cleveland on opening day again. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Like you said, I mean, if anything, if everything goes normally, um, he's probably going to make the next four or whatever and then go somewhere else probably. But what are you going to do? It's funny to look back. It just been the last like ten or twelve years who the opening day starters have been because it was like Justin Masterson for what two years and yeah, uh, Roberto Perez slash Fausto Carmona for a year or two and like we did in like twenty ten. I can't even think about who that would be because Cliff Lee would have been two thousand nine. Was it Jake Westbrook at some point? Oh, it was Jake Westbrook. Yeah. Oh damn, I forgot about that one. That's a <laughs> that's a whew, that's a nugget right there. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it before. I think that he's always somebody I imagined was better than he was just because. Because I think it's partially because he started opening days that it was it made it seem like he was better than he was because like he's our opening day starter like a classic you know by default situation right yeah. I'd call that <laughs> yeah. one yeah like Dylan Bundy starting for the Angels now I guess he's a little better but he's not exactly what you'd consider an ace I don't think but damn 2010 Jake Westbrook went four innings allowed five hits <laughs> five earned runs with a dinger one strikeout though. A little different than Shane Bieber. Meanwhile, Mark Burley just chugged right along. Seven innings, three hits, no runs allowed, three strikeouts. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, you got it on paper. Not even a bad lineup. Michael Brantley's in there. Chew's in there. Hafner's in there. Pat Laporta's in there doing his thing. Yeah, that was kind of in between though. That wasn't all the, like the older guys. Like the 07 group was getting old, and then Michael right, Brantley exactly. was still young. So Sizemore was bad. Hafner was bad. Peralta was in that in between period when he was uh, not quite. He was bad again before he got okay again. Mark Grinzelanik apparently was our starting second baseman. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I do not. That's <laughs> that's the equivalent of like Stamets, I would assume. Like he just was there and gone. But it, it is also kind of funny that too, even just looking back last year, not that far back, like we were having a discussion. It, it almost seems funny now to think it could have been Clevenger or Carrasco who started opening day. But it was kind of a big thing because it was the first time that there was a conversation about the opening day starter because Kluber wasn't there. But now Clevenger and Carrasco are gone. <laughs> so it, it's pretty obviously Beaver, but. Um, I think last year it was it was interesting because it was Clevenger was like your he's probably your best pitcher. Bieber was maybe your best pitcher. Carrasco just for the emotional aspect of having him come back from cancer and start on his first opening day since. And then they didn't do that and they traded him. So who knows? Maybe they weren't too concerned about that. But yeah, it'll be Bieber. It'll be against the Tigers, so it should be good. Even the Tigers should have a decent pitcher. So I would assume that's going to be another one zero two one game, and hopefully it's just Bieber who comes out on top of whoever the Tigers throw out there. They got that trio of good young pitchers who they're. Casey I mean, Mize, is season. that one of them? That's a name that rings a bell yeah. in my head. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so that'll be a good matchup either way, no matter who they start, no matter who Cleveland starts. But I think we'll go talk about our some of our over-unders. We're wrapping them up now for this year. Um, as our preview series, we have a couple interesting ones. First, we'll start with, obviously, Emmanuel Classe. Zips has him, a closer. Uh, or Zips doesn't have a closer. Zips doesn't care. They just sort of put him. talked about it before. They're kind of agnostic to what the roster actually is. They're just kind of projecting based on past usage and obviously with class a there's basically nothing so it's just kind of estimating where he'll be at it gave him 3.57 era 371 fip 794 strikeouts per nine um even with his his massive stuff that he has he's got the 100 mile power fastball cutter that comes pretty close to that 
I don't think it's unfair to say he's not going to strike out as many as like James Karinchak. For all the movement he has and all the speed that he has, he doesn't strike out a ton of guys, which is kind of a concern. But I, that that is that is one of the things about him too. Is just like there was an article about that uh, last year after they made the trade um, and before he got suspended um, was that, like he throws super hard, but he um, gets a lot of ground balls. Like he's at you know sixty. 2019 and high A Texas, he got a ground ball 76% of the time. Uh, even in his uh, brief stint, uh, it was 23 innings, he got a grounder 60.6% of the time. I mean, we're talking about Dan Otero level ground ball rates, uh, but also the ball is coming at 100 miles an hour. So you have a much broader margin of error. That's the one. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I'll get more strikeouts than that. ERA is going to be a finicky one simply because, you know, I mean, he's going to be. Um, victim of his defense uh, whether positively or negatively probably i mean probably positively right because he's gonna have ramirez probably andres jimenez pretty soon if not right away and cesar hernandez and then i mean maybe I'm, I'm i'm gonna hold judgment on any of that because they did still lose francisco lindor a man who did have articles written about his literal impact on his own teammates so we'll see i mean you have to th- you have to think about things like you know we think jose ramirez is a good defender but he's also had a huge safety blanket on him his entire career essentially. So will he, I think he's good. Will he still be great? I mean, a borderline gold glover, maybe we'll see. So it's good to get ground balls though. So, so at the very least, he'll have singles and crap. This is one of the reasons I wanted him is more the fireman type just because he can get those quick double plays and innings and things of that nature. Yeah. And that's actually what um, Terry Pluto said. He thought he, that, that that's what he would be used as, as like a fireman. He'd, Compared it to Andrew Miller, which is exactly what Andrew Miller was, obviously. But um, I, I agree. I think that'd be his better role, like having either Karen Chak as the closer, letting him make his own messes to get out of, let him walk a couple, strike everybody out, or Nick Whitgren just have the guy who isn't the best, but he can do it enough times that you're not going to be screwed, and then have Class A, who's reliable enough to not walk everybody, but you can also get a ground ball out when you need it. So it's funny they have a lot of they do two of these guys. Like a, you know, we talked about their kind of top three um, closer or not closer, but their top three probable pitchers out of the bullpen are uh, Maiton, this dude, and Karinczak. And Karinczak's very much a north-south pitcher, you know, fastball, uh, 12-6 curve. But the other two guys are very much east-west. Um, one, they both throw cutter slider, basically. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very interesting mix of pitchers. Uh, if, if That's the thing about Class A. We don't know a lot about his slider because it was never really his thing because he gets to throw gas. But if, if that can turn into something, then I think the strikeout rates can go up. And that'd be great. I don't want a 15.4% home run rate. Uh, it'd be nice to have that to go down. Yeah, that'd be a little uh, bad, yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, the thing is, that's always going to be high. Like, I remember looking at Dan Otero's home run rates, and it was insane because uh, you never allow a fly ball, so when you do allow one, it's a dinger. Um, so he had like a 27% home run rate one year or something like that. Which I would assume that's probably what they're doing for Class A because I don't no, exactly. think Zips does ground ball rates, but I'm sure somewhere in there. It Steamer knows does, and they put it at 51.4, and I'm like, well, let's pull a number out of a hat. All right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. sounds great to me. Uh now, what would you give it on the like the point eight war? Would you go over under that, or I'll go I'll go over that. Just, I, I think he'll throw enough innings and be successful enough. You know, it depends on where on which where we're looking at this one, or Baseball Reference, or Warp. Uh, but I mean, this is just a weird one because like what what is uh, what is an over on this? Is it an ERA below three and like a strikeout rate over like nine like you know nine per nine or something like that? I think he can do that certainly. 
Yeah, Matt said in his um, his write up about when he picked a push that this is the one that feels like the most right, basically. Like of, of all the projections, this yeah, one feels think, like there's nothing I can really say is is really far out there. Like 68 innings, sure, that's real realistic. 3.57 yeah. ERA, sure, why not? <laughs> Strikeouts for nine, that's cool. I, I could probably go walk, up a little bit. The walks are good. Yeah, the but, walk rate, but he's. I mean, you look at his scouting reports when he was younger. Never a big strikeout guy. I mean, left on base rate, whatever. I mean, what are you going to do? Project that to be super high or low? That you. That's not how projections work. So. Uh, yeah, no, like you said, this one just kind of feels correct. So I'd, I'd like him to overperform it a little bit, and I think he will, because I think we're going to see more of his slider than I think we've ever seen before. You know, especially with him, we're, we're dealing with very old information, and all we've seen out of him is just him heaving gas in Arizona, and we'll see what that actually looks like in real life. But, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, push to slide over, I suppose. Yeah, and it is nice to see him actually pitching well in spring training, too. Of, of, of everybody that I cared about watching, I think he was the biggest one, just to see if – the suspension affected him. If I, I don't think he was using like PEDs to to throw harder or something, but if he was, if that affected him, and clearly it is not, so he's one of the ones I'm excited about because of how he's performed in spring training. Um, yeah, I'm the same too. I take barely over, like a rounding error over. Like he strikes out three more batters than Zips thinks, and then he gets over like 0.9 WAR barely. But um, and I think the the vote kind of reflected that. 64% said over, 46 under, so it's pretty split. I'm looking at um, I'm just looking at Pakoda's numbers for his projections now as well, and they had an 8.9 per nine strikeouts, but also four walks per nine, which would be if him and Karen Jack are just walking people at that absurd rate, I'm, I will have a heart attack. I swear to God, but maybe it will happen. <laughs> I did just write an article about how good I think the bullpen's going to be. So if that happens, I'm I'm sure it's going to be linked back and said, "Ha, look at this." Listen, we're just going to have to say things like all year, our, 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 the party line will be. Bullpens are fickle by their very nature. I mean, it's all about sample size here, ladies and gentlemen. That'll be the start of every single article, no matter what it's about. (laughs) We have to let things even out. Now, back to Ahmed Rosario's plate (laughs) discipline. (laughs) How do they get that high of a walk rate? Like, he hasn't had that since 2017 with the Padres. What are they doing over there? And in in rookie ball, also. In a thing that is nothing. Oh, there you go. Terrible. it's, It's like... I mean, granted, he's never... Outside of the baseball, outside of the majors, he pitched 37 innings in Double A Texas, Double A was it the Texas League, I think, or International League? No, it's Triple A, whatever league, the hell league that is. Yeah, he was never even in Triple A. He was in Double A. Went yeah, from exactly. There. So he just yeah, he went. He just made the jump immediately, and so I, th- I think just the fact that like projections suck when you have no information, I'll just have to say, I'll just have to say push to over because I am positive. Uh, our next one is Harold Ramirez. This one kind of a. <laughs> Kind of a funny projection because you kind of have to take over no matter what you think of Herod Ramirez. Um, he can't be that bad, right? right? Like <laughs> he, literally. He so he doesn't play, it's 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 a success. It's zero. <laughs> so Zips gave him five hundred fourteen plate appearances, ten home runs, um, a terrible slash, seventy seven diversity plus, minus point nine WAR. So if you think he won't play for Cleveland at all this year, you have to pick the over because he's that's that means he's not worth negative. He's worth at least zero. Yeah, this is just another one where Zips does not care about where he'd actually fit on the roster. They're just giving him yeah. a bunch of plate appearances saying he's terrible and he's just out there doing his dang best, but he sucks. Um, I, I don't think he'll be this bad, even if he does play. I think it's an easy over either way. Either he gets Maybe if he lifts the ball a little bit and he hits with some of that power potential he had as a prospect, then maybe he can be better. But I don't think he's going to be like enough to win the, start of the center fielder job or anything just because as much as we've seen like Cleveland – rebuild these pitchers out of nowhere they haven't exactly done it with batters so i i don't have faith in them yet to just rebuild a bat like harold ramirez's needs to 
to be better, but I think it can at least be better than, you know, costing his team a win over a full season. Yeah, no, like you said, uh, wow, you know who's really high on him is <laughs> Pakoda. Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, they're projecting about the 600 plate appearances out of them. They gave him a, a 1.7 warp. I don't know where that's coming from. 14 dingers, a 257, 308, 392 slash line with a DRC at 92. I mean, I, mean, I guess that'd have to be going just on his scouting, like his his power potential that he had at one point. Because there is a. Because, I mean, his biggest problem in the majors, like he's basically Yandy Diaz. He could. I mean, he didn't hit the ball hard like Yandy did, but it was always in the ground. So. Yeah. I don't and know. He wasn't I, like horrible. I guess he wasn't great really in 2019 either, but he had 11 <laughs> dingers anyway and 446 plate appearances. Yeah, I don't know. Like you said, it's just by default we have to take the over. And last year, just obviously, we played in three games, 11 plate appearances. It's a trash time for nothing. I'd be cool if he turned into something. I don't even think he'll make the, the 25-man roster to break camp, uh, which sucks But for him. But but, but he has an option, so he'll still be around. And Maybe. You know, it's a lottery ticket. Well, maybe it's something. He's 26 already, so he's you know running out of time. But why not? What the hell? Over. He's going to have seven war. <laughs> there you go. MVP, Harold Ramirez. There you go. No, he's not going to win the MVP because Mike Trout's going to have 10. Once again, clocking it. Yeah. And I said the over, too. I mean, just because, obviously, 70% said over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, 30% said under. I don't know what they're doing. I think they just wanted he, to he, push they're the They're going to play him 600 plate appearances, and it's going to be awful. It's going to be bad. I mean, this is another one where if this happens, this is a bad sign for where the team is. They're going to start him every game in center, but also put one of those big cartoonish like metal balls that you put around someone's ankle when they're when they're in uh, like castle prison. <laughs> like a what is that? That is a fancy name, doesn't it? It's not just a ball and chain. It's a oh man, I don't know. It's something, but uh, but yeah. So over on him is pretty easy, I think. Uh, our last one, our last one for the whole series is Ahmed Rosario. I mean, this projection was when he was. I guess whatever. It didn't know he's going to be a center fielder, but Zips has him at 609 plate appearances, 14 home runs, um, 90 WRC plus, which seems almost oh. optimistic for how he's played. 1.7 Fangraphs WAR. So, what's your over under for for Ahmed Rosario here? It's funny. You look at all the different projections they have here too, from the mysterious the bat that no one knows what that is to Steamer. They're all pretty much in agreement that he's going to be a below average bat with a good glove. Which I mean, cool. I guess he becomes a center fielder that throws everything out of the window. Oh yeah, his, his zips are it's newer, isn't it? That was must have been an old line. He's ninety two WRC plus now. It, for some reason, the change to center field changed how he hits. Apparently, but I mean, we were saying it. You know, we were saying it before the show. Like he used to be a you know an absolute top prospect. I don't think that just because you're three years older that talent necessarily fades. You, the, the reason you fall in prospects more than anything is because we learn more about you, quite honestly. But I'll take the will he play 283 yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing now, right? yeah like, is he going Even with to... the move like where is he going to play yeah right like i think counting stats wise no uh maybe rate stats wise i'll take the over on that one so it's a kind of a split on me uh, split for me in in in, in my estimation they really play less but probably hit better than yeah yeah you know i mean speed guys are uh you know before they start you know slowing down but it can be can be effective players and He's not dreadful. It's not like he's a really fast guy who also has Billy Hamilton's bat or anything like that. He's still physically gifted, and I'll, I'll take it. No, I mean, I'll take the over on yeah, over on rate, uh, under on counting. And you know what's weird, too? Last year, no stolen bases. I mean, I get it was only 46 games, but as a rookie in 46 games, he had seven stolen bases, and then he had 24 in 2018 and 19. 2019, last year, didn't take off at all, or didn't steal a base at all. So that's weird. He got caught stolen once. So I don't know if he's just trying to like fix his... He's just trying so hard to fix everything else. So he didn't bother stealing, or because I mean, he was he was terrible last year. Like he didn't walk a lot. He struck out more than ever. 
I, I, it could be one of those things too. You know, I, I, I'm finally on base. I'm not going to throw it away on this one. And also maybe it's organizational. Like we're just not stealing anymore. I don't know. I, I'm sure you saw those rules are putting some of the minor league ones now that kind of enhance stolen bases. Yeah, like the bicker plate and stuff. So maybe yeah, that'll, so that, that'll be interesting. But um, it's kind of a weird, like, like everything else, it's a weird trash year. We're just throwing the garbage. Yeah, and he did have, I mean, like that 2019 year was a little bit, he was super fast. He was he had like a, a decent expected batting average. He didn't strike out a ton. He struck out still more than you probably want. But I don't know. He's, he's such a weird bat. I'm I'm with you. I think he goes over on the the rate stats, but he just doesn't play enough to get there. Even if he's because he's basically like since we've had our last podcast, Mike Freeman and um, Billy Hamilton are both basically off the team. I would assume part of that is because they know Ahmed Rosario is going to be that guy now. He's like the Mike Freeman, which as far as an upgrade for that, <laughs> I mean I know Freeman oh, is good. My word, year, but yeah. That is a huge upgrade to have him as just your guy who plays everywhere um, when he's needed. That's That was encouraging to see the Indians aren't keeping around. I don't want to say dead weight. That seems kind of mean, but <laughs> keeping around those guys who can't hit very well. Supremely flawed players. Uh, you yeah. want to call it that way? Okay, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, this guy is I mean, he's talented, and he's younger, and he's fast. And I think this is the kind of guy you want as your utility player, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. This is an actual good utility player. Not, yeah, like, exactly. If he wasn't a top prospect, he would be one of those guys – if he hit like this and he was just a middle of the road prospect, he'd be a super good, super utility player. I think like a, yeah. a three war player in 2019 as a guy who, I mean, he started almost every game that year, but if he played that well and was just playing like 46 games, like he did his rookie season or whatever, I think he'd, he'd have the perception of a lot better player, but the hype was just so high for him. And the Mets were trying so hard to get him to do anything. Um, and he, it just didn't work anywhere. And Hey, you know what? Maybe he makes a lot of contact. So maybe if they can start lifting the ball a little bit, maybe he can start turning into a good player. Hit a few line drives everywhere. What's his, what's his batted ball profile look like? Uh, it's a lot of grounders, baby. Let's stop doing that. Okay. It's not good. I mean, he hits the ball everywhere. That's if that's what you're into. He's not going to, he's not a big pole guy, but yeah, his ground ball rate like last year when he was bad, it spiked way up to almost like 60% compared to the previous year. So and maybe we're, there's we're something talking, there yeah. that. I mean, we, uh, small sample size and that shit too, because he got benched for um, other guys. Some minutes. Some minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I get, it is possible worth noting that because they're they're moving him to center field. He did play there for a whole three innings in his career. That was a late replacement for an injury and a blowout. <laughs> yeah, he played there. He wasn't very good. Um, I, I couldn't find video of it, but Amazing Avenue said he looked uncomfortable. What's his bunts like? Oh, God, he's going to bunt so much. Bunt it? attempts. He's only had seven bunt attempts in his entire career, major league career, so... I mean, the problem is nobody shifts against him, so you don't need to – you can't bunt to beat the shift or anything. He's got a bunt right up the middle. A bunt right at a, def- a pitcher. That's completely right off to topic, leg. but did you see that somebody did the, the off sidekick from Waterboy? And I think it was – it was either high school or college where they kick it straight out of a guy's face and it actually worked. God damn, really? Yeah. <laughs> so that is good. genius. Because <laughs> it, was, it was just like in Waterboy. They they targeted a guy. That, I don't know. Well, maybe it wasn't on purpose, but it looked like it was. But they, they lined a, a ball right to the guy's face, and it bounced back, and they, it almost went back. Yeah, uh, There's got to be like equivalent in baseball where you can bunt it right at somebody. And I guess it kind of is. Uh, you can't bunt it fast enough to hit him, but you bunt it the first base and pull him off or something. But I don't know. But Yeah, you just bunt it right at the guy's noggin. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Usually it goes to your own noggin because it pops up, but... So Rosario moved to uh, the outfield or, or wherever he plays. It, this it, it kind of just opened the door for Andres Jimenez, who came over obviously in the Francisco Lindor deal as as like Francisco Lindor was when he was a prospect. He's a defensive first guy who's whose bat has showed a little bit of promise, but I mean Lindor showed more than what Jimenez's did, but slightly. But you remember Lindor was not considered to be like a an offensive superstar. No, he was. He was. I, there were reports right before he got called up that he was like, "Oh, he's kind of mediocre this year. He's gotten worse. If anything, we hate him now." 
You know, do you remember when he came up? There were reports that he was bored in AAA, and that was part yeah. of the reason he didn't hit. Well, no, that exactly, kind yeah. of yeah. kind of rings a little, makes more sense. It all comes full circle. I think he's. I don't think he has like a motivation problem, but I think like I don't know. God, you're so judgmental, man. I can't believe you're I'm saying, saying that. like there's multiple times now where he was he was bored in AAA, didn't hit well. He said he didn't hit the weights very hard last year. And that's I, I get it also because global pandemic and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah that minor thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> but Jimenez, he's going to be, um, they're starting, maybe they're starting shortstop eventually. At the very least, it is not like it's going to be Ahmed Rosario. It could be like, what, Owen Miller, Yu Chang, somebody could start there. But it, it seems like, I mean, Terry Francona, I think if he had a choice right now, he would start him and with no regrets because oh, he yeah, just seems no, exactly. to love him. I mean, that's the, the manipulation crap is, is very irritating to me because it's like, this is your best bet for winning games. And what, what is the goal? I guess, I guess that's, that's a real question we have to start asking is what's the goal here? And if it's not busting seats, it's got to be winning games. Uh, so people at least watch you on television, right? Shoot. So, yeah, I, I, there's literally no alternative answer for who's who's the best choice for starting opening day at shortstop. I mean, obviously, Yu Chang would be funny. I mean, they could say, like, he, he had a hot spring, so we had to start Yu Chang. So sure. No, I, I, I get that. Although, you look at his numbers now, they've kind of cooled off a little bit, but. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's like you said. Like you said, there's just no, there's, there's no good reason to not start him except for we want to keep him when he's for one more year or some crap like that, and and so we need to sit him down for ten more days. But uh, yeah, like I'm just looking at Lindor's numbers from in spring in the minors. He never had an OPS over se- over seven eighty seven. Uh, so that just proves to me that Jimenez is going to be just as good, just as great. I think <laughs> uh, they're basically the same player, man. I think they're completely. Identical. I think that's what I'm drawing a line to here, Matt. That's yeah. what I'm trying to suggest <laughs> to you and convince you of. So it, it's they're they're kind of kind of a weird spot with Jimenez too, because I mean they could like do the same thing with Jose Ramirez because like Ramirez, Jimenez didn't get a big signing bonus when he signed, like like Lindor did because he was drafted so high and he made he was already a millionaire. He didn't need to sign anything. He got endorsement deals, but. Jimenez, like Jose Ramirez, he's not, I don't even know if he's, a, he's probably a millionaire by now, but if he's not, he's, he's close. He doesn't, he just didn't get a ton of money up front. So he's a guy you could, he, maybe he just wants his money and he's still young too. He's 22. So if they sign him and they like wrap up his arbitration years and maybe like a year or two of free agency, he could still hit free agency as a 28 year old. So this is somebody who they could do the same Jose Ramirez treatment for, but on the other side, your shortstops are like your deepest position because you have, um, you have Jimenez, and then you also have Owen Miller, who's uh, right now he could be something maybe. And then you also have like Tyler Freeman coming up, Gabriel Arias, who's looked incredible in spring training, and he could be your future at shortstop. So if you do end up signing Jimenez and he doesn't end up hitting, even if you have him for a couple extra years, like what is the point of that? So it's kind of a weird spot. But then also on the other hand, like if you're doing that, what's the point in keeping him down now when you could use him when Arias and Tyler Freeman aren't here? So yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, mean, I just like think said, it just it, makes the most sense to bring him up now. It, the, the the same exact thing they've been doing with their pitching pipeline over the last several years. Like, I mean, if if the, the, you have all this talent, why not start using it? Because, like you said, you have other guys who look amazing in the minors, but who are still a year or so away. Uh, this guy already has major league experience. Um, he's demonstrated an ability to play. He's still your best bet to win, and he's tearing the cover off the ball in spring. So. I, it doesn't make any sense to not play him simply for simply because a like you said they have so many other players who can do the exact same thing, and I don't think they have any right now that can do the same thing quite like unless you're well that's the thing like, but... if this is all they have but like if they also have these other guys coming up and maybe they finally figured out turning how to turn a shortstop into a superstar more than once every blue moon or something like that um, then they can just 
the second pipeline of wonder. Wouldn't that be funny? They, they started just producing only pitchers and, and superstar caliber shortstop for the entire entirety of Major League Baseball. I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what they're doing now. Because I mean, Freeman, you can move to second base. I think. I think the talk was that he could actually move there anyway. Like he's not maybe a permanent shortstop, but maybe Arias, if he's not a super great defender, he can be an outfielder that you move to, or you could flip him for an outfielder. So, and, and I, I could see it going either way that they they could do anything with him. They could keep him down and just, they want him for the next year or they could just straight up sign him now for what would it be like six years, right? Get his arbitration years and maybe like yeah, a year or two. Get one agency. more year, something like that. And then get yeah, for like 40 million. Yeah. Give him that, with, that Ozzy Albies kind of a deal. <laughs> I mean, if he wants it, sure. That's, I can't imagine somebody does that again, but I, I, he is kind of similar to Ozzy Albies, isn't he? Like he's a good defensive guy and doesn't hit a ton. I mean, I think Albies had more of a, or did they sign Albies before he played at all? No, they signed, I think they signed him after his first Acuna? year. Yeah, uh, that was a Kuna that they signed before. I think he played it played it all because he was automatically good. Yeah, but I mean, Albies is the same thing that he is. They, they both had really similar. I mean, rookie seasons even because Ozzy Albies had 111 WRC plus. He wasn't like an amazing batter, although he had more of a track record in the minors. But, uh, but yeah, I could see him doing that. If it's, I, I would assume at this point, nobody's going to like. There's going to be a lot of pressure for him to not to take an Ozzy Albies deal just because it was so cheap, but. Cleveland can obviously give them something. They don't have – if you want to make the argument that they can't afford Francisco Lindor, fine. But they can afford to pay <laughs> A normal Jimenez. price for a very right. <laughs> cheap pre-arb player? Yeah, literally that's the entire construct of the team. Like, shit. Like, that's, 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 why, that's why we have one little fun thing to write about is their, is their fun machination. So, um, As far as Rosario in the outfield, I think this is – I don't know. It just seems like they're – they gave up really quick on him as a shortstop. Yeah, a huge match. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't actually see. I mean, he's got the speed. Everyone. It's uh, his issue was never that he wasn't quick enough. So maybe he can just like this is the I, thing. I think I just don't think speed fixes these issues. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing. We'll, we'll see. does it like a shortstop defensive issues translate necessarily to being an outfield issue? Because I, I think that's what they think. If they, if this doesn't work, I think this might change your thinking a tiny bit. Because <laughs> I think they seem to think they can take anybody and make him an outfielder. Like they're okay, really here's Jones. Here's a sense of positivity that I have. Uh, Lonnie Chisenhall was not great defensively at third, but he okay. had a great arm. Uh, I, I will dare. To dare is to do. As no, he was say. bad at third base. He was just straight yes. up not good. Uh, but he was pretty good uh, for a year or so there defensively right because he had that cannon and he had decent range. Uh, no one wanted to run on him. So maybe uh, Rosario... Sorry, I have Andres Jimenez's profile right in front of me. So, um, having been at the same position in terms of orientation on the field for most of his career in the middle, uh, but now having more time to respond to things, maybe he'll be good at it. This is my, this is me being positive. So maybe he will be a good a natural transition to to center field rather than I think he went trying to turn middle infielders into corner outfielders so you're like tying the like this is what do you call that chart where there's like a colon and then there's two colons and there's another colon. Uh, analogy no i guess it is an analogy that's the the better yeah, way to say it's it. analogous and anal- analogous analogous we're speaking men here we are like if you have a cannon you can put them in the corner outfield if you're a shortstop and you have good reaction time you can work as a center fielder and very fast in rosario very case. fast exactly yeah. yes so that's my thought process here which is what i think theirs is i, I, I legitimately think that's what they they're thinking is you just take the most athletic player and listen it's important to have good orthodoxies and any team so they should hire me to continue on these 
these ill thought out ideas that I have. I have many more if you want them, but <laughs> they're all free. Yes. Uh, I'll just keep putting them out there for you. Just yeah, hire yeah, me. Listen, no, first 10 are free. After that, it's a hundred bucks a piece. <laughs> you listen, are the outfield, just make some hills, just random hills. Listen, small hills. Be great. Don't tell anyone about them. Get gophers. Just slowly make them larger throughout the year. <laughs> Never. Yeah, no one will notice. I mean, if you just do it very slowly, no one will pay. Eventually, they're going to be above the bleachers and then, then you're good. But yeah. I, I think it's, interesting is what i'll call it i think i i don't think they're going to trade him i've seen people like the reds reds fans seem to want him to come over there and it's there's like a match between their the players they don't want because they still see rosario as a shortstop and they need a shortstop but i think cleveland just wants to keep him as their super utility guy and hope for the best of them and see if they can train turn him into a really good outfielder which is still up in the air i i mean i think if given the choice between trading him for something that could actually help on a more immediate and consistent basis over having uh, an overqualified utility guy. I'll take the the former, but like you said, it, it's it's cool to have. Just, depth is so important, especially on over 162 games. So having someone like that just there, and the trade's there for sure. I just don't think it's there. I think I don't think the Reds would want to trade a whole lot, but I, I think he's the kind of guy where like we'll see where we are in June and July. Like if they're in the toilet, then we're, you're going to probably see him moving moving down the line somewhere. But yeah, so this week, as we do every Monday night or every Monday, we ask everybody on Twitter. Uh, put a poll up this time. Uh, this one, we I wanted to see just another basically a spring training position battle poll is essentially what it is. This, who will start the most games for Cleveland in 2021? Um, the options were Logan Allen, Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie, Adam Plutko. McKenzie won handily, which is not a surprise. That's I, I would assume that's what most people would say because it, if healthy and not being not having his own service time manipulated, I think he is a pretty much a lock for the fourth starter. But I think it's also a question of if you think he can be healthy or if you think even if it's not pure manipulation, if it's better to keep him down for a little bit just because of he's had his own health issues and you want to be healthy for the end of the year, maybe he doesn't end up as the most um, as the one with the most innings. And I think Logan Allen has been has pitched well in spring and he's had some changes himself. He reworked his slider grip. He came in uh, to camp way down in weight. And again, this is one that Terry Francona seems really impressed with. Um, has just losing the weight has helped him keep his mechanics consistent more than they were before. So. I think Allen has a chance to be a starter somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm way higher on him now than I was when I did his over under a couple weeks ago and before spring training. I think he's he's really looked improved. Cal Quantrill, I don't care that he's had a bad spring. I think he's still a legitimate shot for the starting rotation. And then Plutko exists, and he's not going anywhere. He's out of God options. Damn right, he does. <laughs> He'll be around. Um, I I think if they tried to put him through waivers, he'd be claimed right away. He's just not a pitcher. It's weird. He's not good enough to like start and be a, a consistent fifth starter, but he's also not bad enough. You don't want to lose him for nothing. So I think they they keep him around as as like a long reliever. And you are going to need like a long. You're going to need a lot of pitchers this year because nobody pitched last year more than sixty games uh, or more than a handful of games. So he's valuable to hang on to. If he's if he starts the most out of these four, something's wrong. But <laughs> he did eleven percent of the vote. Logan Allen got the least at eight point eight, and Cal Quantrill twenty three point five. I think our our audience specifically is is built up to be hyped up for cal quantrill um yep <laughs> because he's so damn exciting even logan Allen's big spring i don't think is enough to push over cal quantrill but well we don't um, care about spring we've been over this so right, you know. yeah yeah but i mean yeah i selected cal quantrill uh and i'll, and I'll tell you why because it's that if healthy thing i just i i, I want mckenzie to make 30 starts i just i'm eyeballing him more about 20 and i think that uh quantrill can get 23 so I think he'll be a consistent back end guy who's there. He was out there every fifth day consistently. It's only because Mackenzie just faded very quickly. It seemed like uh, last year, right? He made what um, 
He made six starts, eight appearances, but like his velocity just kind of slid slowly towards the toilet um, throughout the year. And maybe that won't be the case uh, this year. Maybe he'll put on, I mean, if he put on 15 pounds, he'd weigh 180 pounds, and that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's the only reason why. Is I, just, I just, I don't know if he'll, I don't know if his place is ultimately even going to be on in the rotation rather than the bullpen. I mean, we'll see. But that, that's, that seems like so, like, so what I'm looking for here, like just making a, Judgment based on supposition and bullshit, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> That's the name of our new podcast: supposition and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I did just like I said, though, just because of the seeing how his velocity kind of faded last year, it's the only thing that gives me any kind of pause. You know, because beyond that, I think he's the perfect kind of guy who could be a top, fr- you know, front end starter along with all the other guys. If you look at him at his best, it's just is his best consistently maintainable. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see, I suppose, but I don't know. <laughs> no, it, it went down. I remember that because it, it, was, it was so high in his first game. Like, because we hadn't seen him in, in multiple years, even in the minors, and he was pitching like 96, 97, something crazy like that. When yeah, he first he came averaged out. 94 and a half his first start. And then by late September, he's down in the 90s. Yeah. And everything, you know, that's his fastball and everything else was turning that direction as well. And that's just not. That's just not it, essentially, right? And so if, if he can fix that um, and throw, I don't know, or if he can discover more fun crap with one of his other pitches, uh, I'm with it. Uh, he's good at stuff. You know, it seems like he, like he moves the ball. Yeah, when he's on, he's he's not really even like a pure power pitcher. He's just he's just a good locator with his fastball. And... Right, exactly. I mean, yeah, you look at his, like, he, I don't know, he was throwing his first couple starts throwing a lot of fastballs, but it's a young pitcher. And he just kind of started folding in the slider more, which would be fine. If he makes that leap to throwing less than fifty percent fastballs this year, I'm all with it. Yeah, for me, he's my he's my fourth starter. But I'm glad you picked Quantro because I think that's that was the point of the poll is that McKenzie looks like the the main one, just because I think a lot of people figure him as like your fourth starter locked. But I, I don't think he is. I think his his health can be an issue, like you said, and I think maybe he does get shipped to the bullpen. I think he's going to be the fourth starter, and then Cal Quantro is the fifth. Maybe Logan Allen there somewhere, but it'll be fun to watch. And Adam Plutko is not going to be either one. I don't, but. He's gonna make he's gonna make twenty start twenty three starts somehow just just piece together like, how the hell did this crap happen? He did like his curveball in spring though that, it was it was really good. It's always <laughs> it's, good. It's a good it's, it's a good curveball. I'm not gonna sit here and, and bemoan his curveball. It's just he throws eighty six miles an hour or something like that. <laughs> so it doesn't help a lot. But when you're watching spring training and like it's hard to tell like what is a slider, what is a curveball? Was that a fastball? There's no <laughs> speed. There's no everything looks the same because nothing is sharp. But then you. Adam Pluka comes out and he's got this big hammer coming out there and it's ridiculous. Borp, borp, borp. You're like, oh damn, all right, yeah. I don't know. I'm, like, now I'm just digging a little more into McKenzie's numbers and movement wise, he was not ideal. Everything was like below average movement wise, but he locates well and he. Um, I think that's what that's, that's what encourages me the most is just ability to locate so well, which is something that is I don't know enough about Quantrill to make judgments on that front, but um, is not as good as what I understand. So we'll see. Um, I'd like for it to be him, but I don't know yet. I don't now, know. if you had to order them, what would your order be? I mean, you have Quantrill one, obviously. Is Mackenzie or Allen two? Or yeah, um, Allen. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think he's going to make that many starts at all. Honestly, maybe ten or fifteen, and then I think honestly he'll be. He might even be surpassed by, by Pluto. They need a lefty reliever, apparently. So there you go. Unless Oliver Press. Well, I mean, you think about, wait, the first three are probably going to make thirty each. That's ninety, and then I get another twenty each out of Mackenzie and uh, Quantrill. That gets us to 130, and I got another uh, 20. I got another 30 games to play with. I mean, 15 between the two of those guys. I mean, there you go. It's also not a terrible place to be. And then if Adam Plutko is your what, the seventh or eighth starter, Listen, that's not we terrible. See this, 
we've been saying this every year since Josh Tomlin's on the team, and we know it's not terrible, but then it just starts happening, and he just starts a game. You're like, what the hell is this crap? Get out of here. It's yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but I think Plick will be around somewhere. They're not going to DFA him or anything. And... No, he'll be around. He, he's a he's a hashtag Terry's guy. So you know, um, Brian at Nacho Helmet, who is uh, the worst person on Twitter. <laughs> I love that. True. He always posts like pictures of Francisco Lindor and Mets gear and Michael Martinez. He is a monster. Um, but he posted the trick question. The answer is Brian Shaw, which maybe even if he's a reliever all year, there's a decent chance he gets more innings than or starts the most games. Why not? He can be an opener for Terry Francona at this point. What if? What if? That's another. We'll have to simulate shit. that. Out of Never mind. Baseball. I'm back in on that idea. Brian's right. <laughs> Brian is right. Um, Glenn Wongwell, 88, or Glenn Wongwell, Longwell, 89, said, My guess is Quantrill because McKenzie will get a service time manipulated. I hope we're done with Plutko as a starter, and I have zero faith in Logan Allen, the Elder. So that's, I don't think they're going to manipulate McKenzie's service time at this point. I think if they do keep him down, it's purely a health thing. But I, I could see him not starting the season with the team just because of they want to save him for later on. And um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week, Merritt. Um, if you're not already subscribed on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe there. Leave us a review. You can find us at Twitter. On Twitter, I'm at Matt RLY. Merritt is at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lunch with Lunch. Um, find Let's Go Tribe at Let's Go Tribe on Twitter and Facebook, and of course, Let's Go Tribe.com. Talk to you next week, Merritt. Later on. Later on.